Hi, and welcome to this week one edition of NFL Game Time Podcast with your hosts. I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. Football has finally arrived as Shai will be breaking down each and every game of this week one slate while also making our predictions. So let's get right into it because it's game time. time. So let's start with the game that opens up this entire season, the now 17-game regular season, and that being the Dallas Cowboys against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously, Cowboys a big brand, and Buccaneers defending Super Bowl champions. Tom Brady is his own brand, it feels like. So a lot of stars in this one. And, you know, I obviously, I do like what Dallas did in the offseason regarding their defense. I think... This defense should be healthier. I thought Kelvin Joseph was a decent, solid cornerback in the second round. I expect Trayvon Diggs to take the next step. And obviously, I think Michael Parsons can be a true uh, playmaker from the linebacking position. But uh, when you look at this Tampa team, and they don't have any holes. I mean, I think you can nitpick and say some of their corners can get too aggressive. And I think we could see that tonight against a very talented offense in the Dallas Cowboys, but, I mean, the Cowboys had one of the best offenses in football last year before the Dak injury, and, you know, they were having trouble keeping up with offenses, you know, like Cleveland, for example, among other teams, so I'm going with the Buccaneers. I just think this team is is too complete against a Dallas team that they're very strong in some areas, and in other areas, they're really lacking. I just think this this Cowboys team, they're too top-heavy, and I think throughout the year, they're going to have to show just more consistency throughout their roster and just build up the depth and have some of the younger guys step up, not to be immediate stars, but just to kind of fill out some of those gaping holes, which Tampa, again, you look at that roster, they just don't have many of those guys, uh, many of those kind of holes where you're looking at, you know, you look at that hole and say, who's going to step up? Tampa, you know who's going to step up, and they have big names and playmakers all over that team. And obviously Tom Brady, uh, you know, he knows how to win primetime games opening season opening games as he's been in quite a few so I, I just like the Bucks. I, I just think they're a more complete team and destined to possibly even go back to back yeah this feels like a game Alex where you have just one team just trying to keep up with the other just trying to stay in the game and I think that's what Dallas is going to try to do tonight um this is a team that feels good about what they did in the offseason getting Dak Prescott back all eyes are going to be on him on that offensive line as well you know having to to protect him a line that was very much uh beat up not healthy last year and Zach Martin's out already with COVID and obviously you know hopefully he's doing well and you know recovering you know in hopefully a quick manner but that's a you know that's a big loss on a Cowboys offensive line that as you mentioned has really struggled to stay on the field Exactly. And then they're going up against one of the best defensive lines in football. You've got Vita Vea, you've got JPP, Shaq Barrett, uh, that just to name a few. So th- this is going to be uh, no easy task for a talented Cowboys offensive line that, you know, hasn't had a lot of reps recently. They, they were playing a lot in the preseason um, just to try to get them in shape. So it's certainly going to be a, a, a test um, for Dak Prescott against this defense, against the secondary. You said it can, which can be a little bit too aggressive, but when they make plays on the ball, you just can't make mistakes against them because they'll take advantage. You see guys like you know Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, those are ball hawks. Well, I, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting's a guy who I'll be looking at whenever I watch Buccaneers games this entire season because he had such a great postseason. 
And yes, he's had some tendencies to get too aggressive on you know certain double moves, which can kind of leave him in the dust. But I want to see him carry that great postseason into this season and do it over a full slate of games and say that he's really taking the next step. Because if Murphy Bunting can be the guy, that second rounder that Tampa drafted him to be, this Bucks team gets gets even more scarier because again that secondary, specifically the cornerbacks, if we're nitpicking, at least for me, is the biggest area of concern. And for a lot of teams, you would love to have that situation. Yeah, and then I, I really just it's gonna be can Dak can he methodically march on that field? Can he make the right reads? Is he gonna be cool, calm, and collected, confident in the pocket after suffering a scary injury last year? Um, but again, I'm going to stick with the Buccaneers um, in this game. They just really don't have many holes. Uh, this defense is going to make that Cowboys offense work for it, and you can't just say the same on the other side. And Dak also had that lat injury in the preseason. So although we expect, I expect Dak to eventually kind of get the ball rolling, we don't know how he's going to come out of the gate week one. So, uh, you know, we're both going with the Buccaneers, and based on how their team's looking, I don't think it'll be the last time this season. So, Shai, now let's move on to your favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, going on the road against the defending AFC East champions, the Buffalo Bills. Bills obviously just one win away from the Super Bowl last year, falling to those Kansas City Chiefs. I think if this game were in Pittsburgh, this would be a really tough decision for me. Because although I think the Bills are a better team, the Steelers just seem to be just to be a better team in Pittsburgh, play better at home. With this game in Buffalo, you know, obviously TJ Watt signing the monster extension, so I don't know if that was a big distraction, but if it was, that's kinda been put to bed. But I think Josh Allen, you know, we'll see if he can keep the same pace he was last year, which is obviously difficult to do. But even if he regresses a little bit, he still proved to be one of the true elite quarterbacks in the game today, and I expect him to kind of hit the ground running, you know, against a tough defense in Pittsburgh. And I just think, you know, looking at the other side of the ball, I I don't really know what we're going to see from this Pittsburgh offense. Obviously, they want to run the ball a ton. Bills, very good defense, fundamentally sound. But from this passing offense, like, obviously, Roethlisberger, great career, but at this point, in his career, he almost seems like more of a dink and dunk guy than an air it out, air it out, and air it out down the field. Yeah, you're absolutely right uh, on all those points. You know, as a Steelers fan, I'll tell you, the Steelers are a good team. It's just they've got some issues. They've um, gotten older, and obviously that right. offensive line got old, so they kind of rebuild it. And one of the best offensive lines in football for the Steelers for many years, which you could always rely on, all of a sudden a huge question mark, and I think automatically is a huge weakness of this team which you you've really been able to kind of set it forget it for the better part of the last decade yeah. i mean I'll, I'll i mean i'll tell you why the bills are going to win this game alex and, and it's really two things the way to beat buffalo you know we've seen it you've seen the colts give them a run for their money uh in, in last chiefs season chiefs obviously did it right and and but mainly throughout the the course of of last year was just running on that defense. If you can get in the trenches and kind of dominate that defensive line, which has not been uh, very dominant, then you can have a very good shot at winning this game. You saw the Colts overpower them in that postseason game and came really close to winning when the Bills were the much were the better team uh, on paper. So I think, but but I think of the offensive line, the Steelers, you can't expect that. So I think you can expect the Bills to really. Uh, 
match up and, and take advantage of the Dink and Duck style that you were talking about, that Ben Roethlisberger runs. You saw him throw a pick six, make some of those mistakes, because when the defense creeps up on you that and like that and congests uh, your area, your area to throw and gets in those passing lanes. It's it's only a matter of time, Alex. And then on the other side of the ball, it 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 just it just seems like the Steelers' way to win would just be getting pressure on Josh Allen and keeping him in the pocket. And because to be frank, they don't have anyone who can cover Stephon Diggs. He went, I think, over 130 yards and a touchdown last time they played. He was a problem. Joe Hayden's still a very good corner. But he's no longer truly won the elite like he has been in the past. Another guy I'm looking for, Gregory Rousseau. One of the truly dominant players, regardless of position in the preseason. I'm going to see, was that a mirage against lesser competition? Or can he really be that guy from the get-go in Buffalo week one in his rookie season? Because this would be the game to take advantage. You, you're going to be dealing with... Uh, a young and inexperienced offensive exactly, line. Exactly. Because uh, Zach Banner is injured for Pittsburgh. He pl- was placed on IR. Big loss for them. They're starting... And, he was, and they were inexperienced even with him. Exactly. So now they're starting fourth-round rookie at Texas A&M in uh, Dan Moore Jr., who looked good in preseason, I think had... The second highest PPF or highest PPF pass protecting grade uh, of tackles, rookie tackles. But um, it's going to be, you know, he's got to try to take advantage of that matchup, Alex. And the Steelers also are without Stefan Tuitt placed on IR. Uh, he'll be out the first three weeks of the season. So those are some big losses for, for on both sides of the ball in the trenches for Pittsburgh. So I expect the Bills to, to take care of business here in Buffalo. As do I. So now let's go. The Sam Darnold revenge game. The game's not in New York, unfortunately. Sam Darnold could say all the right things to the media. We know he's angry at the Jets organization. And he has every right to be the way they... Uh, they. I don't have any words for the way they built the team around Darnold. You know, it was disastrous. It was terrible. It cannot be put into words how much the Jets failed Sam Darnold and didn't give him a chance and I think Don's going to want to show the Jets, you know, what they missed out on and what could have been him and Robbie Anderson, who signed an extension. I think Darnold, t- it wouldn't surprise me if Anderson scores two touchdowns in this game. Like, I think Darnold and Anderson are going to have a monster game against a Jets secondary that might be one of, if not the worst in the NFL. And they're young, they're developing. For the Jets this season, it's not about wins and losses. So you have to understand that. But for me... The Panthers are a sneaky, solid team this year. I expect that defense, although I do have question marks, especially in the secondary. I think this defense should be much improved. And again, the Jets, I expect to have a pretty early pick again next year. So I expect Sam Darn revenge game. Darn, I think, will be smiling after this one. Yeah, I think for me, Sam Darn, we already know, is going to come out here and try to be, you know, confident and trying to you know sling the ball make some some plays um but she should i think he has every capability of doing that and and showing uh new york what, what the jets what they missed out on my the interesting thing for me would be how do the jets say to zach willis in this game this is not going to be you you know on the other side of the field that's not going to the situation that he was placed in not going to happen because well, we think, have Elijah Vera Tucker, we have Makai Becton, and they drafted Elijah Moore. They had they signed Corey Davis. What Joe Douglas has done, and we can't really blame Joe Douglas because most of what uh, for the Sam Darnold uh, fiasco, because that was mainly not him. 
you look at this Jets team, it's not a great team, uh, specifically talking about the offense. It's not a great offense, but for me, it's a much improved offense that, at least for a rookie, gives Zach Wilson a chance with the Jets to add even more and use more resources toward helping Zach Wilson succeed in his second and third year. The Jets never gave Darnold a chance from the get-go. Again, it's not a perfect situation, but I think Wilson, you know, has... The obviously incredible talent, and now has at least some of the pieces around him to at least establish a strong foundation in, in year one. Yeah, and I think we will see Zach Wilson make some plays if he's given the time. Um, if this Jets offensive line can go up against a uh, a Panthers front seven, which which is you know looking quite good, highlighted by Brian Burns and and, and Derek Brown, Etor Grossmatos, Matos. So they they've got playmakers there. Um, again, I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers because they're just more well-rounded, but uh, it should be an interesting matchup uh, on, on both sides to kind of see you know, that Sam Darnold revenge game, as you put it. Now we go to the Jaguars and the Texans as, I guess, thank goodness that Trevor Lawrence is in the game, the number one overall pick, because I feel like if he wasn't, I don't, this game might get historically bad ratings. Uh, the Texans, who knows what they're doing? And the Jaguars are, you know, building, but obviously still a long ways away, in my mind, before they really become a, a force in their own division, let alone in the AFC. With that being said, I will take the Jaguars to start 1-0. They would be 1-0 for the second consecutive year. And I just think, look, I am excited to see Lawrence. He seems like a guy who can step in right away. Uh, you know, we're talking about how what the Jets have done with Zach Wilson. Although this offensive line isn't great, they do have Cam Robinson and you look at the receivers, DJ Shark, LaVisca Chanel, Marvin Jones. The Jaguars do have some receivers around Lawrence that can help Lawrence kind of guide him through possibly some early season growing pains. So I like the Jaguars in this game. Maybe The Jaguars, you could say, are a better team, but in my mind, they're just not as bad of a team as the Houston Texans. You've got it. You've got it pinned. Uh, the Jaguars' offense, I think, is actually not. I think too you can be solid with this here. I think it it ha- has promise. And again, just like the Jets, I don't think the season is based on wins and losses. Exactly. And you just look at the Texans. There's really nothing to like. I like the Bradley Roby trade for them. I thought they that got was some. A good de- trade. I thought they got some decent picks. Right, but now they're even weaker at corner, and their secondary, which was already atrocious. But, you know, at this point in their development as a team, trying to go for the rebuild, makes sense. Um, but yeah, Who's there to develop? Davis yeah. Mills? Exactly. Like, I mean, <laughs> at least with the Jets and Jaguars, you're developing young, a young nucleus. Texans don't even have a young nucleus to develop. Yeah. It, it, this is about just just kind of putting this, this season in the past. We talked about this, Alex. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but yeah, the Jaguars are going to win this game. They're just, as you put it, not as bad as not as bad of a team. So now let's go to a game you, you know, we were talking obviously pre-show kind of about some tough games to pick. And a game that you really were hung up on is this one, as the Arizona Cardinals are traveling to Tennessee to face the Tennessee Titans. You were kind of having trouble with this one, but obviously you did come to conclusions. So I'll let you go first. Who you got in this one? Yeah, I have Tennessee, and for me... This was coming down to which defense is 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 gonna is gonna perform better. Is it gonna be that Arizona front seven stopping Derrick Henry, or is it gonna be that Tennessee secondary that has been really, really bad of late? Uh, 
I I I like Caleb Farley, but he's a rookie coming off major a major, major a major back surgery. I like Farley long term, but he's a guy I definitely could see struggle a bit early on. Exactly. So I think that Titans secondary, I think it'll be enough. I'm with you. I have the Titans win this one. But I think that Titans secondary is gonna prevent Tennessee and hold them back from ultimately going much further much further than I think the rest of the team could. I think if that secondary can be average I think the Titans are contending with the Bills to, you know, and possibly the Chiefs, although I have the Chiefs ahead of Tennessee, as possibly, you know, to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Now, I think that secondary is, uh, you know, going to be the Achilles heel and prevent that from happening. And, you know, they cut Adore Jackson. I know Adore's not the best corner in the NFL, and he definitely has his fair share of injury concerns, but that's a move that I would have liked to see Tennessee, you know, retain Adore Jackson. And I think Jackson Farley, all of a sudden, it's not a, the best corner duo, but I think it's solid enough that it can complement the rest of this team. I I think that's right. Um, in and I think I think for me, when you look at those two offenses, Arizona much more pass heavy, especially going to be this year, and then ten, and Tennessee, which is a team that likes to play action, like bruising it at Derrick Henry. It's for me. It's 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 more about which is more effective, and Tennessee is. The you, best at the league. At, you what know want. what you're getting from the Titans day in and day out. The Cardinals, they can aim 35 on Tennessee, or they could score 21 and just be inconsistent when it comes to moving the ball up and down the field. Exactly. The, the, I think the Titans, along with the Browns, are the two best teams that are just smashing you in the mouth and, and hitting you with play action. And I, they're really, really good at that. The Cardinals, in terms of you know vertical passing and... And you know, just having a great quarterback. A lot of teams do that, and the Cardinals do it fairly well, but not at as you said, not in the, as the consistent rate as some of these other teams really do. Um, and that's that's really a difference maker for me. So now let's go on to I think for both of us, maybe the toughest game we have to pick: the Los Angeles Chargers against the Washington Football Team. We now hurt Justin Herbert was my MVP pick, and this game doesn't change that. The Chargers are a better team, but there's just something about week one game in Washington, and we all know Ryan Fitzpatrick loves week one, that has me that has this gut feel that I think Washington might be able to pull it out. I apps I you know, I think you know, it's you you go back and forth on this game because the Chargers are so well put together. We both really, really like them uh, as a dark horse pit to to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl potentially. Um but there's just something about Washington this week. There's they seem like a like the safer pick. You kind of know what you're you're kind of getting, and I think we disagree about this a little bit. Just I don't of, I don't. You said you know what they're getting with it's Fitzpatrick. Do you really ever know what you're getting? I think he was more consistent towards the end of last year, although to a smaller sample sample size because he was, you know, getting subbed in for for two. But when he was in, yeah, I he, think he, he was, was the Dolphins, Mariano Rivera. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think, I think that Washington we know is going to play really really good defense, and they're going to re- and, and they'll be well coached, fundamentally sound. Remember, I I love the Chargers, but and I I, I have high hopes for Brandon Staley. But we don't really know the type of coach he'll be if he's, you know, how much does he try to be a clone of Sean McVay versus his own coach, his own person. Right. And I th- I just think the, the Washington's going to probably hang 17 to maybe 
25, 26 points. But it's Fitzpatrick week one, so we, they also could hang 35. It's possible, but I think that's around where I where I would set the, you know, set the baseline where I would expect it. Um, the Chargers, I'm like maybe expecting a little bit more week one jitters. Justin Herbert, a sophomore Eck- year. Eckler might not play, and I know you know the running back position and the value of it definitely has decreased. As I'm, you know, I don't think you should spend big resources mm. on that position. But when you have a good running back like Eckler, and he does miss time that kind of does put a wrench in your game plans, especially what, what he can do from a versatility aspect in the passing game. Yeah, and I just think a lot of quarterbacks struggle to start their sophomore year. I really like Justin Herbert, but I think we might see some of that against one of the best defenses in football. And this offensive line, which has been revamped, is going to have a huge challenge this week with, again, one of the best front sevens in football. I mean, there's always that, you know, a lot of the Rashawn Slater hype was, you know, remember what he did against Chase Young, where he basically shut him down in college. Well, it looks like week one, Young versus Slater once again. Should be a fun matchup. It, sh- it should be great. I'm I'm going with Washington in a, in a, in a close one. I'm just going to try to take more from what I know. I think there are question marks on both sides, but the games in Washington, I just I just think is a little bit a little bit safer of a pick. I guess we've agreed to this point. I'll go with the Chargers, almost just to be different, because uh, I do think the Chargers are a better team, and I do think Justin Herbert was my MVP pick. I do have to back that up. So I, I will go with the Chargers. I think they're a better team. I think they're going to have a better season than Washington. But at the same time, I do have this like weird gut feeling that Washington's going to give them a, a run for their money and possibly even pull it out on their home turf as well. So let's now go to the Eagles and the Falcons. Game is in Atlanta as I think this whole game this game will be very high scoring. I know, I have my reservations about that Philly offense with Jalen Hurts, but I think he has a very favorable week week one matchup against the Falcons. This I mean the Falcons defense has I feel like been a thorn in their side for the better part of the last decade. They've always had a great offense led by Matt Ryan. They trade Julio Jones, but they add Kyle Pitts seems like, you know, Calvin Ridley's ready to take that next step to be a possibly true wide receiver one. I'm just going with that. I'm going with Atlanta. Uh, mainly, it's in Atlanta. And also, like, I have reservations about that Eagles offense. Although I think they'll have a really nice day against the Falcons, against that Falcon suspect defense. It's not like the Eagles defense is any better. And it's very suspect in their own right. And at the end of the day, I just trust Matt Ryan than, more than I do Jalen Hurts. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I think that's that's extremely fair. The Eagles, let's face it, they're not a great team. They're, they're rebuilding. They're rebuilding. This year, they have potentially three first-round picks next year. They have the ammo to make a big splash next year. They're rebuilding. And it's all about what do they have in Jalen Hurts. They want to know, with all that draft capital next year, is Jalen Hurts the guy or are we going to have to draft a quarterback for next year? I don't think for Philly, obviously you want him to be the guy, but it's not the worst thing in the world if they realize he isn't because you rather him almost be either really good or bad because then you have a decision on Hurts. Then mm-hmm. if he's mediocre, it's almost left Philly in this you know balance and kind of stuck in the middle in no man's land and what, what should they do at the quarterback position. I think that's right. Uh, I think Hurts... Will have a chance to really prove himself as a pocket passer this week. Again, you said it was a it's a really good matchup uh, against a really horrific Falcons defense. But this Falcons offense has been pretty good of late, and, and people consist- forget that. And it's been you know, obviously they've had their ups and downs, but I do think week one usually they come out with a bang. And again, 
I think I just like again that Philly defense isn't anything to, to smile about, just like Atlanta's defense. And I just trust when it comes to the quarterbacks. I don't think anyone can disagree with it. I just trust Matt Ryan more. Yeah, I mean the Falcons' offense is nice. The fact that they don't play the fourth quarter really, they just kind of glide. That they've been really bad. Closing I mean, after last after last regular season game, did the Eagles play the fourth quarter either? <laughs> That's very true. That no, I think they'll be up by by a good amount because the Eagles' secondary is so bad too that it won't matter. But uh, you know, maybe they'll bring in maybe they'll bring in Nate Sudfeld. Yeah, they'll they'll call him back to to, yeah. to get in the game. We're we're both going with the Falcons here. Uh, let, let's move on now to to Minnesota traveling to take on the Cincinnati Bengals, Alex. Yeah, I like I like the Vikings here. I just think offensively, I think they're I, this Bengals defense is dreadful. This Bengals defense is dreadful. They didn't really do anything in the off season in my mind to really upgrade it. I know they signed Trey Hendrickson, but then they also lost Carl Lawson. I don't is that I, that's in my mind not a net gain. If anything, it's a net loss. I, I think Lawson has been a more consistent player than Hendrickson over their ten over both of their tenures. So I don't the Cincinnati defense in my mind didn't improve. And I think with the Bengals, I do expect Joe Burrow to have a really nice year, but he's coming off a torn ACL. I don't think we can forget that. So you were saying how you, there might be some jitters with Justin Herbert. I expect jitters with Joe Burrow coming off that significant mm. knee injury. Jamar Chase has really... I don't think the drops are going to be an issue uh, regarding his long-term future in the NFL, but week one, could he have some jitters with all the talk about his drops? Could he be starting to maybe press even more? I just have a lot of questions, you know, short-term about this Bengals offense. Long-term, I expect them to pick up the pace. But again, week one, I'm not really sure where we're going to get in this Bengals offense, and this Bengals defense is just dreadful. Yeah, it's... I think... Cincinnati is a hostile environment. Uh, but Kirk I do Cousins. have a question. When should Joe Burrow book his stay at the hospital? Hopefully, I, I'd say probably around week nine. Week nine? Okay. That That's probably a, a, a good time. I mean, they that offensive line. And Jackson Carmen like, lost the starting job. And I, that Bengals offensive line, I don't have any words for it. They yeah. didn't do anything. They had Penny, I know Penny Sewell did not have a good camp, but they had Penny Sewell sitting there. I don't know. That yeah, it's it's gonna be rough. It's gonna be rough, especially with uh, T J Watt designed to stick around in Pittsburgh for the next uh, five years now. For and Cleveland, top. obviously, with Miles Garrett and now Jadavian Clowney there, and obviously the Ravens know how to get after the quarterback as well. Yeah, so I, I I'm gonna go with the Vikings as well. They're just a better put together team. I don't particularly love the Vikings this year. I like the Vikings. I think they're a good team. I think they're a good team. I think I like. I know you don't love Zimmer as a head coach. I think he's a saw. I think he's an okay head coach, a solid head coach. Uh, and you know these are games the Vikings typically win. It's those bigger games against big time opponents that they typically can't handle. But against a one o'clock game in Cincinnati, I expect the Vikings to win this one. It's fair. Yeah. So now, speaking of Penny Sewell, we go to the Detroit Lions as they are hosting the San Francisco 49ers as I really like what they've done along the offensive line to this point. I really like Brad Holmes as a general manager, but this team is really rebuilding and the team that's in contention possibly with Houston to potentially get the number one pick next year. So I don't expect Detroit to win many games. I mean, I was talking about how bad that Bengals defense is. Detroit's might be worse. And against the Niners team that, you know, we're talking about, yeah, you know, they're not on the Bucks level, 
But we're talking about the Bucks don't have many holes. The Niners really don't have many holes themselves. So I think the Niners, especially offensively and in that run game, are just going to run wild on Detroit and really be putting up points at will. And Goff, I, I think Goff maybe has gotten too much grief than he should have. But, I mean, he I like Hawkinson. Swift is solid. But, I mean, they're really feeding Goff to the Wolves. Yeah, it's... Let me just say this plainly. The Lions aren't good. They're not a good team. They're developing. This is just... Which is okay. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. It just means that you're going to get blown out by teams that... You are know, better than are you really and, more, good. Yeah. and more consistent, fun, fundamentally sound. Yeah. I, th- I think the, the thing to watch here... I think we're both obviously going with the San Francisco 49ers to win this game. The thing to watch here is Jimmy Garoppolo. How does he perform? Is he able to... to easily pick apart and move the ball against a Lions defense that is atrocious because he should be and if he's not if there if if we see him struggling a little bit then there's that question okay when does Trey Lance start to, to get in here I don't anticipate him having significant issues uh but but it's just something to keep an eye on a guy I'm looking uh forward to watching is Jeffrey Okuda third overall pick seemed like a no-brainer incredible college career at Ohio State, such a great, fundamentally sound corner, he was pretty bad last year. And obviously one year, you're not going to judge a guy his whole career. But based on one year, he was a bust, and then he got injured, and that kind of shortened his already dreadful rookie season. So I want to see, did he take the next step? Because I do think corners one of the most difficult positions to adjust to from going from the collegiate level to the NFL. So I think we do have to cut Akuda some slack in that regard. But I think now it's year two. And again, he doesn't have to be Jalen Ramsey or Xavier Howard. But I want to see, did he take that next step? Is he now, instead of a dreadful corner, can he be, you know, even an average corner? Even if he's a bit below average. I just want to see just some improvement in his technique, improvement in his overall game to at least show that he's trending in the right direction. Because if that Lions... I mean, for years, we've been complaining about that Lions defense, specifically that secondary. If the Lions are going to become good again, I think they really have to rebuild that entire defense and build a stronger secondary. And I think that starts and ends with Akuda. I think you're absolutely right. Two, two uh, key players to watch uh, for, for both teams, um, which will be vocal points of, the, of those two players, uh, as they Groups. go in really opposite yes. directions. Exactly. So now let's go to what should be a really fun and interesting game. The Seattle Seahawks taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Game is in Indianapolis. Carson Wentz, Quentin Nelson looked like they were going to miss some time when they both had the exact same surgery, which is really rare that one player has it. So the fact that they both had it was definitely intriguing. I I think this is going to be a really interesting game, but as kind of we talked about pre-show... I don't. What can we expect from both Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson? Because I think it was a five to twelve week timetable, and they're returning in about four to five weeks. So obviously, the twelve weeks may have been a stretch, you know, in terms of worst case scenario. But it also seems like they're on the really early side, and it's tough to judge like how healthy are they. You know, would the would an extra week have really <clears throat> benefited both of them to the fact that you know their technique is sound? We don't know. You know, when you suffer an injury, sometimes you, know, you you play through it, you want to play through it, and you can overcompensate in some way. So I'll be looking to see, does 
Nelson or Wentz overcompensate in some way with their injuries. You know, a big plus of Wentz was he was finally healthy. Mm-hmm. He The trade kind of cleared out all the cobwebs in his brain. And he was finally healthy, and now he has this foot injury. The best offensive lineman in football also has the injury. And you look at Eric Fisher, I don't believe he's playing. I don't believe he's playing for a while. So this calls off with the line. I expect to be strong at some point this season, but it's definitely not the strongest heading into week one. And Seattle, you know, we saw last year, you know, they they really did not finish strong, but obviously an incredible start to the season. I think Russ is going to cook all over. I, I really do like this Colts defense, but I think with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, Chris Carson, although I could see the Colts really stuffing Carson up, I really like Russell Wilson as really one of the true elite quarterbacks in our game, and I expect him to have a, another strong season to add to his resume. Mm. You know, I think if the Colts are healthy, I'll take Indianapolis, Alex. I just think this def- their defense is better, and I think they can run all over the Seattle Seahawks. Better. Their defense is better. I think they can they can you know run run on Seattle. I think Seattle's. Defense, I think they can run on it, when that offensive line is healthy. They can, in my mind, run on almost anyone. I think that's very fair, especially against the Seattle defense, which has struggled. Uh, recently. They definitely they're they're definitely not known for that defensive line. Exactly. Um, so for me, it just comes down to the fact that. You know, I think Carson Wentz is going to have a solid year. I really do. But if you think about the body of work that he put up his last season and, and the injury that he's coming off of, you can't expect him to go out with an overwhelming shade of confidence and an overwhelming shade of just being 100% and, and just, you know, being super accurate with the ball. You're probably going to notice, uh, you know, some some things different about him and, and his process, you know, maybe favoring a, a leg or, like, or in his throwing motion, you know, something about his footwork perhaps. Uh, and I think that re- that can really uh, weigh out. And you think about and this I'll, time. I'll, I'll say yeah. this, sorry to interrupt, but footwork, you were mentioning footwork. His footwork has really deteriorate, deteriorated over the last few years. You know, it was fine. It wasn't great, but it was fine. When he, when he was really the you know MVP frontrunner before tearing his ACL, what's really hurt him, and I wonder if it's because he tore the ACL, is his footwork has been really bad and terrible exactly. the last few years, which is a big reason why he's been you know struggling so much and has led to all the inaccuracy issues that he's had really since having that incredible breakthrough year. You're absolutely right, and I because you notice that timetable of recovery kind of goes shorter and shorter and shorter and. That can always be a good sign. It means you're recovering well. But it can also give you a sense of they're rushing him back. They don't like what they have uh, in, in, in Jacob Eason. And was it Sam Ellinger? Well, I think Ellinger's on IR. So Ellinger's they on wouldn't IR. Be, they wouldn't be able to go to Ellinger if, even if they wanted. Right. So, I mean, it it, it kind of felt like Indianapolis was trying to rush those two guys, him and Quinn I don't Nelson, know, like, back. I understand what you're saying, but Frank Reich almost being the, not quarterback whisperer, but the Carson Wentz whisperer, I don't know if, you know, knowing what he's been through, obviously Reich in Philly with Wentz, I don't know if Frank Reich would do that. So, you know, maybe it's Wentz. Or maybe he believes in him so much that he can overcome this injury, I, which can be dangerous, again, Alex. I And I understand that, but I think Reich is truly going to stand by what's best for Carson Wentz. And I don't think he's going to rush him if he truly didn't think he was ready. Now, I, again, it could be one's hiding some things from Frank Reich, and I definitely think an extra week or two would have definitely helped Carson Wentz, and we could see some overcompensation in some way 
due to maybe a bit of a nagging problem coming off the surgery. But I don't think if Carson Wentz really wasn't as ready as I feel like you're making him out to be, I don't think Frank Reich would send him out there. I don't know, but he's not completely ready. I just think it's going to be something to watch potentially. And I do expect maybe to have some confidence issue. It, it, it's possible. I, I, I think he won't have confidence issues until he makes his first mistake. And then I think that when he when he makes his first mistake, because uh, you know, even Mahomes throws an interception, so even the best make mistakes. So when he makes the first mistake, that's what I'll be watching. Because we saw when Reich went to Indianapolis and once made mistakes, he could never regain focus, regain concentration, and kind of just regain the job at hand. That hey, one mistake doesn't define you. We're still in this game. He wasn't able to turn back like that in Philly. Again, with the Carson Wentz whisperer now, now with him in Frank Reich, when he throws that pick, when he makes a fumble, when he you know takes an unnecessary sack where he probably should have just thrown it away, how does he respond? Because I think that's going to not just say how he is for the game or he is for the season. I think that's going to really show what, what type of team are the Colts for the 2021 season and how far they can go. I, I, I definitely agree. I think we're both taking Seattle here, but there's definitely some things to watch. And I think we both uh, like the Colts uh, a fair amount this I, year. I picked them to make the playoffs. I think they're. I think it's going to be close. Them, Miami, New England, Pittsburgh are kind of all in this tier. Exactly. But I definitely think when it's all said and done, the Colts will be fighting and scrapping for one of those last wild card spots. So now let's go Dolphins-Patriots. The Alabama quarterbacks face one another as a really intriguing matchup. Tua Tonga-Viola against Mac Jones. Another really, really tough game to pick. You know, I was kind of thinking Miami, Miami coming into this game. But with the game in New England, I think I'm going to go with the Patriots. I think I'm going to go with the Patriots mainly because although I don't, we don't really know what to expect in Mac Jones, I think Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick are going to devise a smart game plan to kind of move the ball down the field, run the ball, take time off the clock, and have kind of these long drives where we don't have to score 24-plus points. We can put up 17, and with our defense, even without Stephon Gilmore, which is a big loss, but even without Stephon Gilmore, 17 to 20 points will be enough because we have a strong defense, and we're going to have these long drives that keep Miami's offense off the field. Yeah, for me, this is kind of about edging with what I know and edging with what I think is a strong defense in Miami. Uh, they were just pretty sound last year until the last, you know, couple weeks of the season where Tua started to get a little bit frazzled, I think, and started making mistakes. Because before that, I think people remember, for kind of were forgetting how, you know, how he was able to be kind of cool and, and, and he wouldn't make Tua splash wasn't, plays. Tua wasn't terrible. Like, some are making him out to be. Exactly. He, like, the Dolphins actually, I think, you know, you want to take out that Raiders game where basically Fitz Matt, Fitzpatrick saved them, that's fine. But taking out that game... I would like, take out Raiders and Bills as the two games where he really he really struggled. Well, okay, so then you want to take out the Bills, too. I think he was like 6-2. and two. Now, obviously, they weren't winning because of him, but... The Dolphins showed they can win with Tua. Let's not make it. I mean, and I think it's magnified because they passed on Justin Herbert and all that. But Tua proved to be a quarterback that the Dolphins can survive and win games with. You're absolutely right, and that's why you know I think that that he can make the decisions. And when he's when he's 
uh, not getting frazzled when the offensive line is is giving him time to throw, which this, is a big if. Which is a, this is not a, this is not a strong offensive line, but this is not a strong defensive line either from New England, and one that kind of lacks depth. Well, I do like the addition of Judon. I think he's going to add just this uh, very sound uh, presence off the edge, which you know New England's really been lacking. We'll see if uh, Winovich and Uche can kind of form a nice duo opposite of Judon. But I do think this pass rush for the Patriots should be much improved. And again, I was kind of ready to pick the Dolphins, and I've kind of pulled an audible here, and I'm going to go in New England. But I, this is a really tough game to pick. Probably this game, and I think the Chargers-Washington game, at least for me, were the two toughest mm. games to pick this this upcoming weekend. Yeah, I think I just I think I, I am going to go with the Dolphins. It's just what I know, and I think that the Dolphins can, can only go up from my baseline from last year. In New England, I'm not exactly sure... What I'm getting with a rookie Ken. quarterback starting. I know Mac Jones looked good in preseason. He he's pretty uh he, he's very he was very NFL ready coming out of Alabama. But I just think I'm gonna go with, with what I know, what I think is a little, little bit of the stronger defense and just give Miami the edge. You said you said that it can only go up for Miami. Why? That defense was great last year. I think Tua can go up, but are we sure that defense and it's still a very solid defense? Still a very good defense, but are we sure that Dolphins defense can definitely improve? Not just stay the same, but improve based on what you're saying. Well, I think you add a guy like Jalen Phillips, who a lot of guys are forgetting about. I do really like in the draft to improve. Uh, you know, uh, a defensive line which was not which it was getting pressure with Emmanuel Ogba and and uh, with Christian Wilkins. However. And you and then you add you know Phillips on the other edge. You're, you're forming a young, solid defensive line. So I think yeah, th- I think I you can expect that maybe a little bit of progression or about the state the same, maybe a little bit of improvement. I don't think the margin of error is going to be enough to outweigh how much I think the Dolphins are going to improve offensively this year. That's fair. So that's my that, argument. That, and Will Fuller's not playing this week either. Uh, but he'll be back week two, Jalen Waddle, and obviously I still really like Devontae Parker, and I think Parker can take a really nice step this year with other pieces around him. And I like the Dolphins coming into this year. I just think, I don't know, you were acting more of if it's a foregone conclusion that this team can't go anywhere but up. And I mean, look, it's tough to top 10-6 and six in, a, in a pretty good, in a pretty solid division, outside the Jets at least. So now let's, let's continue going through the afternoon games. The Chiefs, taken on hosting the Cleveland Browns two teams that possibly this could be you know but it's both a rematch of last year's postseason but it also could be a preview of possibly next year's postseason I like the Chiefs in this game you're higher on the Browns than I am I still think the Browns are just a really good all-around team and I still have the Browns making the playoffs but I don't see Patrick Mahomes losing week one and I just think Mahomes is gonna you know He's seen all the film of him getting, you know, thrown around like a rag doll in the Super Bowl. I think he's going to come out with a bit of an edge. He wants to prove, like, hey, I'm still here. Look at my new revamped offensive line. I mean, what the Chiefs did with their offensive line in one offseason is truly remarkable, and my hat goes out to Brett Veach just for that. But uh, I like the Chiefs. I think their biggest weakness was the offensive line, and they addressed it and then some. I, I think you're absolutely right. I don't I just don't think the Browns can necessarily score in bunches the same way the Chiefs can. Although They're that gonna de- have to control the clock and you know, that might be it's it's up to the coin toss. But exactly who gets the ball but first. One slip on Cleveland's right. side and then you you're kind of 
You're, you're kind of playing, playing catch up. You're playing catch up, and this Browns offense is not designed to do that. Exactly. They're designed to control the pace of the game. I think we're we're definitely on the same page here. I just have a little I think I just the difference between us is I have a little bit more faith than you do that this Browns defense I think this can be a good competitive can do something to slow down that Chiefs offense, which is elite. I just don't think it'll be enough where we're really changing the way we think about this game because I'm gonna take the Chiefs as well. And my opinion and I don't think any of our opinions unless the Browns lose like fifty to nothing, like our opinions on the Browns aren't gonna change after this game. We both still like the Browns. We both still think the Browns are a playoff team. You have them winning the division. I just think the Chiefs are just... We're talking about a really good AFC team against, in my mind, at least coming into the year, the best the best AFC team. So now let's go. Packers Saints that a couple years ago, this would be... An, I, I would have loved this game and a great game. But I think it'll still be an interesting game with Jameis Winston at the helm at quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. But I think I think Aaron Rodgers he's coming out with an edge. He know he know he we all know what happened in the off season. I don't know how much he's gonna play for the team or the front office, but he wants to prove to everyone that you know I I am that good, and any team that wants me that wants to trade for me, this is what I can do, and I can still do it at a high level. So I think Rodgers. Just because of that edge that he brings with himself, I think he's going to bring that this year, and I think he's going to have a, another monster year in Green Bay. And again, the Saints team, I think the Saints are a good, fundamentally sound team, but with, again, you were, you've you been talking about you go with what you know. What do we know about Jameis Winston? He throws a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, and a lot of interceptions. And I just think that inconsistency against a very good team with the Packers, who don't have you know the best units in the NFL, but led by an all-pro corner, and Jair Alexander have a very good defense. And I just, this Packers team, I just think, you know, we we're talking about the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. I think the Bucks are the best team in the NFC, but I definitely think the Packers put, could potentially give them a run for their money. Yeah, I, I know I'm higher on Jameis Winston, I think you are. I really do like Winston, and I definitely thought he should have won the job over Taysom Hill. I like Winston. I just think when you're going up against a better team like the Packers, I don't trust him. Yeah, I think he's going to have a great year. Uh, the the thing is, keep in mind me, this game's also not in New Orleans; it's in Jacksonville. Right, and, and but for me, it's kind of just it, it's more like the the Saints are going to be that's going to be solid to good, and the Packers that's are a Super Bowl contender. I, the Saints might be a playoff team. It would not surprise me if the Saints, even without Drew Brees now in retirement, are a playoff team. The Packers, though, I could see them going fourteen and three, right? That's that's just the difference. It, it's it's really the quarterback. Just you know, James Winston could have a a really good year, and and Aaron Rodgers could have a down year, and Aaron Rodgers could be twice as good. That's just that's the difference for me. Uh, and it, it wouldn't surprise so. me if again with the edge he has, if Rodgers is in the MVP conversation once again when we roll around to you know December and January. Exactly. So we're both going with with Green Bay here. Now we're moving on to your favorite team, the New York Giants, hosting the Denver Broncos. I'll I'll let you give your your, your take here, Alex, first. So yeah, the schedule comes out in you know, usually April or May. I believe it came out in May this year. And always you do the way too early like win loss projections. When the schedule first came out in I believe May, I thought the Giants would win this game. I you know, my way too early prediction was the Giants. And that has changed. That's changed for two reasons, both on the offensive side of the ball. 
I coming into this year, you know, I was very low on the Giants' offensive line. I wasn't biased. I have bashed him at every turn I possibly can. But in May, there was like a three percent, five percent chance that I'm like, maybe they can surprise me and be average. Maybe they can shock the world, prove me wrong, and be average. Well, I saw them in the preseason, and they are well below average. And not only is Again, I thought this would be a bottom five offensive line. Based on what I saw in the preseason and in the joint practices, based on what the beat writers were kind of reporting, this isn't a bottom three offensive line. It's not a bottom two offensive line. This is the 32nd ranked offensive line out of 32 teams. It is the worst offensive line in the NFL. And right now, I don't know if it's close. Since these offensive line isn't good, there are a couple other bad offensive lines. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh doesn't have the strongest offensive line. But going into the year, and maybe they can completely, you know, blow the rooftop and stun stun me. But right now, this is by far, in my mind, the worst offensive line in the NFL. And if you don't have a good offensive line, you aren't winning, plain and simple. So that's point number one. Point number two is their offensive weapons. I thought they did. I thought they had a solid offseason. I may have disagreed with the moves, but I think outside of maybe you see how they got the players. I like the players they brought in. I like Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony had a problem in the first round, but I do like Tony as a player and think he can bring a unique skill set to that offense. And you know Rudolph again. I didn't love the contract, but hey, red zone threat. I understand that. Second week of training camp. Kenny Galladay, new offense, new quarterback, has to build up that chemistry. Second week of training camp, injures his hamstring. He hasn't practiced almost the entire training camp since then. Very limited the last week, but that's it. Kadarius Toney, at no fault of his own, obviously, had COVID and battled a lot of COVID symptoms, and kind of the after effects hit him. And there may have also been a soft tissue injury that wasn't really revealed, but a rookie completely new offensive system. It's a new league. Like, he also has to realize how the NFL operates and how an NFL offense is different from a college offense. And again, has to build up that chemistry with Daniel Jones. He's barely practiced at all. Kyle Rudolph has been on the physically unable to perform list after having off-season foot surgery for the longest time. He probably got after activated off the PUP list two, two and a half weeks ago. So he's barely practiced at all as well. Obviously, we know Saquon Barkley. He was on the PUP, PUP list for the longest time, and he's barely practiced. Now, obviously, with Saquon, it's a little different because he does know the offense. He does have a bit of a reputation with Daniel Jones, knows what Jones likes and doesn't like. But you look at those three new weapons, new offense, new language. They're learn- they have to- it's completely new. It's like learning a different language. And Tony's case, much more, because it's, it's a different level. It's a way different level. None of these guys have played in any preseason games or taken part in the joint practices. That's a huge problem. And Kenny Galladay, if you don't believe me, Kenny Galladay said it to the public. He said it publicly to the media. He said that he thinks it's going to take time for this offense to gel. And I don't blame him. And then you look at Evan Engram. I know you, we can make fun of Hemant Engram all we want about he's not consistent and he has drops, but I believe the Giants are a better team with Engram on the field. And I believe that with these additions, Engram, there won't be as much attention on Engram, which can allow him to maybe not thrive to what we once thought he can be, but just be a better all-around player. He's not playing this week. 
He hasn't been officially ruled out, but he suffered a calf injury in their last preseason game and hasn't practiced since. So I, I would be shocked if he plays. So Engram's out. So really, the only guys who have practiced and are healthy are Darius Slayton, who has had his own nicks and bruises, and Sterling Shepard. So basically, it's last year's offense again. And again, these guys, Gaudet, Tony in limited capacity, and Rudolph will probably play, so it won't totally be like last year's offense. But it's going to take, I think, a few weeks for this time to for this team to gel, and this specifically the offense. And even Adore Jackson, their big defensive acquisition, he's also uh, battling an ankle injury. So I believe if the Giants face the Broncos three or four weeks from now, I think I would pick the Giants. But sometimes it's all about timing in the NFL. In week one, I think the Giants are going to have a tough time adjusting to kind of each other and just getting chemistry and timing down with one another. And that's why I'm, go- I'm going with the Denver Broncos. I think it's a winnable game for both teams, and I definitely think the Giants can still win this game. But I think given the timing of when they're playing each other, for me, i got to go with Denver. I just look at Denver, and I see a team that's sneakily very, very complete. They have probably a top-10 defense in football, in my opinion. Well, I think you can make the case the Giants do, too. Right, you can. Uh, it's just on the other side of the ball, is just more consistent that is, for me. That is true. And that you mentioned true. that. You, you, you outlined that. I just think that Teddy Bridgewater is, is, doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Uh, he's he's going to be pretty well protected. They're going to run the ball well with a, a, a offensive line that's been very good at run blocking the last year. And they've got weapons. Weapons that have been fairly available to them in Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, and Noah Fant. Yeah, fan, limited participant in practice, now a full participant, so he looks like he'll be a full go on Sunday. So that, that I mean, that that's really uh, just the difference for me. It's a little bit more completeness on both sides of the ball and a, and a little bit and, and, and just more, more consistency there. Um, I obviously don't know the Giants like Alex does, but I, I expect Denver to, uh, to pull this one out. Yeah, and I think it'll be a good game. But again, I again, if this game took place in week five, I think I might pick the Giants. But given it's happening week one, with the chemistry that still needs to develop because of all these guys' absences from practices and no fault of their own, I think I think it's gonna be a slow start to the season for the Giants once again. So now let's go Sunday night Bears Rams as shy. I don't know who you're picking. You didn't tell me who you're picking this game, but I think it's safe to say we're both going with the Rams here. Another just really great complete team. We wa- yeah we could have nitpicked last year and said the Rams could use an upgrade at quarterback. Well now they got that upgrade at quarterback and a guy who in my mind's a top ten quarterback, consistently underrated. I think Matthew Stafford's going to be in the thick of the MVP conversation. I didn't pick him to win the award, but again the only thing the only reason why I feel like he hasn't won it yet is because he's playing on a lousy team where he's had to do everything, and you know Detroit's have it hasn't had the most you know, team success and postseason success. But I like the Rams. I just think they're just a better team than the Bears. Tevin Jenkins is injured, so I think that Bears offensive line's a mess. And although I expect the Bears' defense to be solid this year, I just don't think they have the play- playmakers on defense to stop the weapons the Rams have offense, especially when you're looking at, in my mind, a, a big upgrade, a massive upgrade at the quarterback position. Goff was a game manager, in my mind, Stafford can be a game changer. 
I I completely agree. I think the Rams' offense is going to be very, very good this year. And that defense, I think, will... Uh, I love... Dar- I believe Darius Williams, their, um, their second corner, I think, is one of the most underrated corners in the NFL. And I think a big reason why is because he lines up on the opposite side of Jalen Ramsey. So I think I love their corner duo. And obviously, Aaron Donald isn't too shabby either. Right. I, I think that I expect that defense to regress just a tad from where they were last season, just losing some players, just John Johnson, uh, Troy Hill, Troy Hill both in, in Cleveland secondary. Now. And then also losing their defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley, to the Chargers, who coached the statistically the best defense in the league. I still think they'll be a top-five defense uh, but I, and, and a, a really, oh. really good team. Boo-hoo, they'll be a top-five defense. Uh, they'll regress, but they'll still be a top-five defense. Well, Every bit matters, but yes, they they should. Uh, I think that I offense mo- will be more explosive though too. Yeah. So that could also make up for the limited, maybe bit of regression on de- on the defensive right. side. Of the I expect them to uh, to make quick work of the Rams on Sunday night. Bears, Bears, the Rams to make quick work of the Bears. On and Sunday I think night. the clock is ticking just to see how long till Justin Fields plays. And I think Bear, I think Bears fans almost want their team to get blown out just so they can see Justin Fields quicker. I don't want to. <laughs> So now let's go final game, Ravens and their however many running backs that are still healthy against the Las Vegas Raiders. Even with the Ravens' top day running backs all going down with season-ending significant leg injuries, I still think the Ravens are just a better team. I like Derek Carr, but you know the Ravens, even with the loss of Marcus Peters to his own ACL tear, I think the Ravens are just a better defense. Raiders' defense, I think, is really going to struggle. And look, Although the Ravens might not have the best running backs, Lamar Jackson, we know, can keep it and take it 60, you know, whenever at any point in the game. Ravens definitely have injuries, especially also to their receiving core. Rashad Bateman's on IR. Watkins, I think he's playing, but I know he's dealt with some issues as of late, too. So Ravens definitely dealing with their fair share of injuries. But this Raiders team, I just think, is they're a mediocre team. You look at the team and you kind of just say, I, 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 yeah, I agree. The Raiders' defense is bad, and the Raiders' offense is decent. It's I like solid. Carr. I like, but also, remember, they completely revamped their offensive line, which was a strength for them last year. I expect that offensive line to regress a lot this year. Yeah, I think that's very fair. The Ravens, especially the injury also to Marcus Peters recently, is big. Uh, this defense should still be very solid. Um and offensively, they're they're still going to challenge the best of teams. You know, the only where you see the Ravens really struggles against teams that are elite uh, above five hundred. And I think that's where like the Marcus Peters ACO tier is really going to hurt them and affect them. Exactly. But I just believe they're pound for pound just a way better team than the Raiders. So against you know a meh team, I don't think it hurts them as much. But again, if they have to face a team that like the Browns. Or the Chargers, teams that I think are in their tier, I think that's where we could really see those injuries hurt them and kind of nip them in the bud. You're exactly right, Alex. So we're both going with the Ravens uh, on Monday Night Football to close out Week 1. Week 1. Football's finally here. It's exciting. It's fun. Enjoy it. Cherish it while it's here. Season always... It always goes by fast. It always feels like the season... And it never feels like an actual 17 or 18 week season. It feels like... You know, almost the five weeks leading up to the season are slower than the season itself. Yeah, it's 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 it, it's nuts. I'm just so excited to be back, back recording, back uh, watching football, watching football, and uh, looking forward to it. Fans in the stands, 
that'll be that'll be fun to see. Just kind of let have the crowd get back into it, especially as the Bucks kind of reveal their Super Bowl banner, just the second in their team history. So that'll be fun to watch and fun to see. So that's going to do it for this edition, week one NFL Game Time Podcast. We'll see you next time for week two.